Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. True Hauntings is a frightfully good production. Many have seen it for themselves, and many have heard its legends. In the past, it was a place of connection where the families of those departed could have picnics and swim in the pond, remembering their loved ones, and, in a way, spending time with them. For others, it has become a place of amazing encounters, where people have been chased by balls of floating lights and have seen human forms appear, only to vanish before their eyes. Bachelors Grove, which is just to the southwest of Chicago, is often described as one of the most haunted graveyards in the world. The stories of encounters are seemingly endless. Two-headed monsters? A disappearing house? A phantom dog? What is this place? Why are the spirits of Bachelors Grove so restless? Was it really once used for demonic rituals? Were dark and unnatural things conjured up a long time ago and now, forever, roam Bachelors Grove? Hi, I'm Renata. Hi, and I'm Anne, and we are so excited to share the stories of this incredible place with you. Listen to the history and reports we have gathered together for this episode, but... We will leave it up to you to make up your own mind as to whether this is truly a place of true hauntings. Anne and Renata have been investigating paranormal occurrences for the past 20 years. They have been at the center of various unexplained phenomena and have witnessed countless ghostly experiences. The duo now turn to high-profile cases that have attracted the eyes of the world. Between the dimensions we see and the dimensions we don't, supernatural forces are at play. Evil lurks within the shadows of our homes and in the darkest corners of our minds. It follows us like a shadow forever. This is where nightmares become reality. This is True Hauntings. Hi, Renata. How are you? Hi, Anne. How are you? I was waiting for you to go, hi, Anne. Welcome back to the studio. And you're just sitting there looking at you playing I'm, Candy Crush on the computer. I'm, I'm fiddling, fiddling with my computer. We've just spent because... half an hour trying to track down a buzz yep. that we worked out. It's Renata with her gamma escaping from her brain because she's so stressed. Escaping. Escaping. Every time I touched the laptop... It seemed to create a buzz. Yeah, yeah, nuts, nuts. Mm, not nuts when you're around, mm. I tell you. <laughs> but we're here now. We've got it sorted. We have. And if there is a buzz, please forgive us. We just can't quite work out 
exactly what it is. Mm. But I think it's sorted. What sort of week have we had, Renata? It's been an amazing week filled with fun things. <laughs> fun, fun, fun. Well, we look, we did the show with Isaac and Claire on Tuesday night. Yep, and it was fantastic. It was fantastic. It was. Um, it was. I I was honestly really worried about getting up on stage with the Isaac Butterfield. I know that we know him outside of the Isaac Butterfield. Yeah, but once we sh- saw those shorts, <laughs> everything changed. Everything changed once believe. we saw those shorts that That's he was wearing. Fun. Really? You wore those shorts on one of our episodes <laughs> that we were um that we shot up in Queensland, I think, and people were saying it was like a crotch shot. <laughs> Oh dear. And Claire looked beautiful. She had her blazer on and her hair done and her makeup and she looked gorgeous. Of course. Yes. I hate her. She's pregnant She's and so she looks beautiful. fabulous. <laughs> oh. But uh, I I really enjoyed bantering uh-huh. on, on stage with the butts. Mm-hmm. Um, I was worried that I would be overwhelmed uh, and retreat into my shell a little bit like I know people this is hard to believe but I used to be shy I was very shy at school I don't believe a word of it no well no I thought I was a horse for the first 12 (laughs) years of my life so you know (laughs) horses are shy um yeah I I just went you know what duck it I'm just going to let loose and say whatever comes into my head and as you guys know that can be deadly oh yes (laughs) but we got Quite a few laughs. Yes. And you got some laughs. And Claire got some laughs. And we all laughed together. Mm. So we're hoping now that this was enough of a success that we might be able to go to other locations Mm. and do location-specific shows. Mm. (gasps) Touring Australia. Ellen Renata. <laughs> but if you want to know all the behind the scenes details, you're going to have to go to our other podcast, Diary of a Ghost Hunter. Yes. Where we're going to tell you all of the juicy bits that didn't work. Yep. The epic failures. Yep. The stress and anxiety. Yep. Us <laughs> nearly killing our new PA. <laughs> our new PA almost killing us. <laughs> We nearly had a um, blood resi- bath. Re- blood bath. <laughs> blood bath. <laughs> it was nearly a resignation from poor M. <laughs> oh boy! I tell oh. you what, this is hard work being a ghost hunter full time. <laughs> it is. It is. Oh, we just don't get paid enough money. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. none. Right. Speaking of which, if you'd like to become a Patreon and support our work, we are the the um, on Patreon as Anne and Renata. Frightfully good, I think it is. True yep. Hauntings, yep. and uh, we would appreciate if you would join our little Patreon family, where we get together for face to face twice a month, and we do behind the scenes and uh, little catch ups and all sorts of things in yeah. there. It's the grand poo bar level that gets the the best stuff. Mm-hmm. So. I think that's ten dollars a month or up, and if you go to the the was the, the ultimate grandest of all poo bars, you get postcards from overseas. But what's it's happening so is we're, exciting, we're bringing them home because we forget to do them or overseas, and we post them from here anyway. <laughs> Oh, we're hopeless. Oh, and that was on my list of to dos today too. And I did forgot. you bring them? No. Well, 
How long have we been oh, home now? A week and a half, almost had, two weeks. I've had a dreadful morning. Yes, you <laughs> Never have. Mind. It, but uh, we're here. Yeah, we are. And I, I you know, I, we've, oh, this was much bigger than I expected. I thought it was just going to be, you know, bachelor's cemetery, whatever it is, and it's going to be easy. And, and then I, I found this amazing <laughs> article and, um, and I printed and it up. 65 pages later. <laughs> I believe it, oh. and it's so detailed. They did a great job, whoever did it. It's a two-hour yep. read, apparently. Yep. Um, but I'm. I think we need to get into the story. Yep. And um, work out what is going on here. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Okay. Though many years passed after my first encounters with the lights of Bachelors Grove, the light would visit me again, and this time with malice. In late June of 2012, I was in the woods at night with a steward of the cemetery and experienced one of the most extraordinary visual manifestations I have ever seen. It was an exceptionally hot, humid night, and as we walked through the woods towards the cemetery, There was an increasing sense of that impression that visitors here often describe as enchanted or magical. I don't know where we were when we saw this. At first I thought we must be overlooking the quarry as there seemed to be a large expanse of emptiness before us. But I realise now that this could not have been the case as we walked for a good ten minutes before arriving at the cemetery. It is still difficult for me to describe what I saw, but it was a light show of sorts, consisting of thousands of tiny blinking or flashing lights that mimicked flashing bulbs going off. The only thing I can compare it to is the image of dozens of paparazzi cameras going off, one after another, at a celebrity gala. I was absolutely mesmerised by this experience. And when I say it seemed to be happening with an intelligence behind it, other experiences will understand that. It was as if it was happening for us. That experience threw my perceptions off, perhaps also on purpose, for I felt incredibly welcome in our explorations, as if some unseen hosts were very happy to find us there. We continued to the cemetery and spent about an hour quietly recording in the cemetery for EVP and chatting about the history of the site. Then, at 10.30 in the evening, we left to make our way back to the cars. It was a very long time before I realised my associate and I had gotten lost. We walked for many long minutes through the brambles and fallen trees that were everywhere. I was wearing a sundress, and as I had not expected to walk in the woods, my legs were slashed repeatedly by various thorns and brush. It was dark with no moon, and we had no flashlight. We both had the idea to use the GPS applications on our cell phones to to find which way we were headed, but they had both lost their signals. 
The possibility of this happening had never crossed my mind. As a 15-year-old veteran researcher of this place, my colleague had personally marked and mapped all of the trails through the woods and estimated that he'd visited these woods some 2,000 times or more. We could have been no more than two blocks from a suburban road, from houses and businesses. We continued to walk and my phone drained of power and died. My colleague used the flashlight application on his phone to help us see where we were walking, but we could see the light was becoming weaker. After some time, we began to see a faint light up ahead and thought we'd finally need a road or a subdivision that surrounded the preserve. We could see lights of houses and even see and hear cars passing on the road and gratefully, with much relief, walked towards them. But the light seemed to get farther away as we walked. And I thought we must be somehow walking at a diagonal, even though that really made no sense. After some walking, the lights actually disappeared. And it was as if it was someone had switched off a television, where one moment there were images and sounds and the next minute... We were in a vacuum. This experience repeated over and over every 15 or 20 minutes. It was then that a chilling realisation came over us. This was happening on purpose. Something was manipulating the environment to trick us, to tire us and confuse us, with no way to call anyone, find a way out, and thinking of my little girls at home with the babysitter having no idea where I was, it was a tremendous feeling of panic and despair. Four and a half hours after we went into the woods, we found our way out through the back door entrance that runs along 143rd Street at Central. We were so far away from where we thought we were and there was really no way we could have been so lost in such a small area for such a long time. I have never forgotten the feeling of that experience. I have never ventured into those woods again, night or day, off the path. Where did you get this from, Anne? This is from a article uh, called The Terrors, Bachelors Grow Forever. Uh, and it's actually from the website bachelorsgrowforever.com. And this is where I, I went to print up some of the notes and mm -hmm. found out it was 64 pages. Mm -hmm. um, was this person a 15-year-old veteran or a 15-year veteran? 15. Well, they said 15-year-old. There was 15-year veteran of the right. the paranormal of studying that site. Right. I think that it was just. It sounded like they were 15 year old, but it was actually. <laughs> and when I first read that, I think, "Hang on, they're 15." <laughs> now then, I realised it was 15 years of being a paranormal investigator. Maybe I read it wrong. I don't know. No, that's okay. I just, I just. I'm glad you clarified. I'd... Because, you know, these day and ages, oh, it could yeah. be a 15-year-old who is a veteran of the paranormal because <laughs> they've all watched every Ghost Hunters or Ghost Adventures episode. That is true. And they are experts. That's exactly right. Now, another thing. Yeah? What in the hell is happening here? I don't know. This is the most obtuse place. Yeah. 
that I have ever come across that is supposed to be haunted. There is nothing that I have seen as yet yep. in its history to tell me that that is a groundwork for paranormal mm-hmm. experiences. I, I may have an explanation for you. Mm-hmm. But you know me, I'm going to leave it to the yeah. end. Other than finding out some information that says that there could have been um, demonic rituals held there, yes. was it a portal that was opened up? <gasps> it could be a portal to hell. It could be a portal that just cannot be closed off. And so we are now dealing with all of this high strangeness. Yeah. Maybe those that are listening who may have been there can send us some information about their experiences or what you think is going on Mm. at this place. Now, I came across Bachelors Grove many, many years ago when I was following a gentleman from England called Chris Halton, who uh, actually went over to America and visited Bachelors Grove. Mm -hmm. Um, And, of course, most recently we heard um, your friend... um, Mr. No, not your friend. No, my no, friend. Your friend, Mr. Um, what's his Was face? It Dave. Dave Schrader, yeah. who had visited uh, Bachelors oh, Grove. Oh, he's been there, has he? Yes. Oh. And so that's what that's what got me started on going. I must explore this place. Yeah. Find out more. But it's raised more questions than it has answers. Oh, I do like a conundrum. So, mm, so the land that now is occupied by this place called Bachelors Grove, was first settled back in the 1820s. And it was settled by immigrants that were moving westward from the east coast of the USA. So heading to Hollywood. Yes, so they were going west. (laughs) Go west. Go west. (laughs) Now, the first residents um, of Bremen Township were a mixture of people from a whole lot of different countries. Bit of a hodgepodge. So they were English, Irish, Scottish. It sounds like my gen- um, my DNA chart. Yes, <laughs> and um, most of the people that came out to Australia as well. Yep. And they were coming from places like New York, Connecticut and Vermont. And they were all heading westward for, of course, land and opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yep. So all of these places on the coast, as they normally do, get filled up, there are no more jobs, there's squalor, there's dirtiness, there's a whole lot of uh, depravity and cruelty and all that sort of stuff happening. So they go, family, come on, let's go to greener pastures that are over there and I'm pointing westward. And so that's where they went. So they went over and they settled after about 1840, so about 20 years into this whole movement across the land. By the way, you're pointing north, but that's okay. Sorry, shut up. <laughs> Most of the settlers were German. <gasps> oh, the German came Dug. over. Yeah. I'm so, learning German now. As immigrant families arrived in the area, the plots around Bremen Township were divided up and handed out. Now, the area was important because there was timber. And so these places that became known as groves or Mm -hmm. or plots first kind of became known as groves because they were handed out to families who uh, wanted to get their hands on that timber to use it for manufacture and for building houses and Mm -hmm. everything. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was very good quality timber. And so all the names of the places around there had 
names of families that came through and settled in that area. So they made a good bit of wood in that town. Yes. Oh, she's lost her notes again. No, I've got no, them. No, she got I'm them. just trying not to laugh at that joke. Oh, why don't you laugh? Now, the graveyard... Come on, I'm working hard over so here. Where, where the graveyard now sits was originally named Everdon Cemetery, and it was named after Corinthia Everdon. Isn't that a fantastic Corinthia name? Corinthia Everdon. Corinthia. Um, and she was one of the first deed holders of the land. But, again, why Bachelor's Grove? It's got nothing to do with Corinthia Everdon. So the plot of land occupied by the cemetery was known by many names. And it was kind of handed over from the evidence to the next people that came along. Um, And this is where we get a bit of a a quandary about where this name comes from. And there are a couple of different... um, possibilities of, mm-hmm. of why this name has originated. So they think that it may have probably been listed as Batchelder Grove, as in B-A-T-C-H-E-L-D-E-R, the name of a family. And of course, over the years with things changing and, you know, people not being able to maybe read or write and they're just listening to the, the name, the word being said, mm-hmm. it got changed to Bachelor. Chinese whispers, mm-hmm. it just goes one to the next, to the next, to the next and changes. Yep, so this is allegedly um, happening around the 1845 period, but also... <gasps> but there's more? Yes, also. Oh. There is a possibility that four men who were all bachelors... Mm-hmm owned that plot of land and so they named it after their marital state, which was nothing. They called it Bachelor's Grove. Mm-hmm. Or Elton John's I, house. I, I I can't I don't <laughs> know how that fits because if you have it originally as a um a, a cemetery plot um, and then change it to Bachelor's Grove. I don't, I don't know, but yeah, we'll run with it. Let's let's see what happens. Yeah. So now the first bodies buried in Bachelor's Grove were reportedly buried around 1834. And I have two different pieces of information, so I'm going to read both mm-hmm. again. Let Let's get our listeners involved and see what they can tell us about all of this. Oh, I like this. So, a bit of audience involvement, know, right? Renata. Yep, Geez, yep. you're moving it up a notch oh, in, know, in right? the podcast world. Oh, by the way, can you please share this, people? We need to grow our audience. It's it's sort of levelled off a little bit. I'm a little bit scared. Oh, people can, don't love us. Be, we can't be going backwards. They don't love us anymore. needs to be going forwards. Oh. Okay, so in 1834, they were building the, oh, what's it called? The Michigan Canal the Illinois and Michigan Canal. And so any workers that died while digging the Illinois and Michigan Canal... (laughs) Yes. It's hard, it's hard. uh, ...were buried in... I can't even... I can't can't even go there at this stage. um, Went into this uh, burial site known as Bachelor's Grove. Now, the canal was to provide direct water or a a direct water link between the Great Lakes and the Mississippi River. And it also helped to shift the centre of Midwestern trade from St. Louis to Chicago. 
So, of course, to make Chicago an important centre mm-hmm. of industry and... Um, they dug a ditch. They dug a ditch, which we should be doing in Australia. They just won't listen. They need to dig a ditch. We, but we can't dig a ditch across the whole of Australia. It's a bit big. Well, you know, look, get Elon to come over and throw a couple of million. He's probably got that in his back pocket. A couple of billion? No, just Trillion. Dig a ditch and bring water across. Anyway, that's oh what they did. God. Right? So the first official burials began in 1836 and it ended sometime between oops, oops. the 1960s <laughs> and the 1980s. There's a laptop going black, everyone. Although I do have a little bit of different information, which I will talk about in a minute. Ooh. So there were about 82 plots and about 200 graves, though quite a few remained unused. Now, so there's not that many bodies there. No, no, no. But there are family groups, and boy, didn't we find a family group when we were looking through oh, photographs. Oh, no. It's genius. I and had to we're stop. Gonna, we're going to put this photo up. I'm going to try and describe it's, it to you. So. No, you don't. You leave it. Leave it I, for their imagination. I actually thought they were all dead. You know those dead photos that the people take after people have died, and they've got these lifeless bodies that are sitting there with eyes going all different places, and you're going, oh, yeah, you can tell that's one of the, the death photography things. No, this was a oh. wedding anniversary party. Oh, I spat out my coffee at 2am <laughs> in the morning going, I've, what have I come across? Oh, I feel pretty was... is all I can say. <laughs> I feel pretty. Oh, oh boy. Oh, look, it was tough times back then. That's all yeah. I can say. It was tough times. They, they had not, the, the ladies did not have Botox or any sort of injectables, obviously. Um. Th- I don't even think that would have helped in this case. And look, I'm not a person that likes to say you've been thumped with the ugly stick um, because I think everyone's beautiful in their own way, but I was struggling struggling with this one. It's it's just, it takes you aback a little bit. And it was like, the the photograph is really old as well. And I'm zooming in trying to look at their eyes and I'm going, I I don't don't know. I don't think they've got eyes. Oh, no. It's bad. We will put it up on the True Horn. Haunting's Facebook oh, community page because you need to see it. Yeah. You need to see it. Um, they might be the origin of all of these stories. They oh. might be the ones that are haunting the place. Well, there's supposed to be um, creatures and two-headed monsters and all yes. sorts of things in the forest. So, Abs- Absolutely. <gasps> now, um, look, there was a period of time when people would come to visit in graveyards. It was very popular to come in um, on a Sunday and have a picnic amongst the dead. Mm-hmm. And Bachelors Grove also had like, parklands around it and, and a pond. A lovely pond. And people could go fishing and canoeing and all of this sort of stuff you know, around the, the graves. Eat the fish that have been fed by the decomposing bodies and, or in the graves. <laughs> and, mm. and sit with their loved ones. And this was popular all over the world until it wasn't um and yeah in the victorian era and in the early 1900s it was very very popular to spend time and pay respects and really connect with those loved ones that had passed over by spending time um with uh, at the cemetery but it made you feel closer to them yeah especially when you ate the fish yes but you know around the late 1900s the graveyard was really allowed to become overgrown with vegetation and probably as the families died out and left the area there was no one there to look after 
everything. And it, it really became then a place where all the young'uns, they had nothing better to do. Uh, and because it was kind of away from everything, they would go there to have parties. Um, they would vandalise and spray paint the headstones. They would break them. There would be grave robberies um, and um, lots of sexual activity. Oh, and, oh. and this was nothing a- like graveyard sex. Oh, <laughs> oh joy. So Renata tells me. <laughs> Um, and this was in around the 1970s. I love how you try to ignore yeah. it. This was in around the 1970s when, again, we had the satanic panic. Yes. Yes. Yes, yes, so yes. So all this goes back to this time. Um, and uh, this is where this whole idea of satanic cults and the satanic gatherings at Bachelors Grove um, comes to the fore. Uh, they would gather there routinely. And they would practice their occult beliefs and they would sacrifice animals in their rituals and allegedly the remains of um, uh, mutilated animals were found in the park by locals and police and the, and allegedly there was evidence found of occultist rituals. So who knows what that is. Now, there's another bit of information before I um, get you to jump on in that gives me something quite different. Oh, please tell me. I love it when we get conflicting information. Yes. So there is another piece of information that says Bachelor Grove Cemetery first appeared in an 1864 record of land sale by Edward M. Everden to Frederick Schmidt. Now, the document specified that one acre of land was to be set aside and used as a graveyard. Now, when Schmidt sold the property again in 1909, that's a long time time to hold on to property so 1964 to 1909 was he still alive god that would have oh he would have been in his 90s or 100s his 200s yeah no so a description of the cemetery and instructions for it were also included so sometime after that it fell under the charge of the fulton family Now, I need to mention that name because you're going to reference it Mm -hmm. in your stories. Now, they had already buried two of their own in that ground by 1906, including one-year-old Emma Fulton. Mm -hmm. Poor dearest love. Now, there is a called a Fulton Stone Yes, that is quite massive um, and has other sort of memorials around it. And you'll hear a little bit about that in Anne's section because weird ass things happen around yeah, there. Yeah, it seems to be a lot of activity centred around that particular mm. stone. And again, when you see the photo of the Fulton family... Yeah, now we yeah. know why. <laughs> so, up <laughs> Oh, I think they had special secret powers to make up for other aspects of their life that was missing. I think they were photographed when they were 500 years old. They were these vampires. I don't know. The original vampire oh, family. Please, please send me your thoughts. Please, everyone, write back on this one. This is awesome. So up until the 1950s, all was well and good, and it was rather a quiet cemetery. And then what they did was they built the Midlothian Turnpike, and that rerouted um, traffic. And so Bachelors Grove Cemetery became way off the beaten track, mm-hmm. way off the beaten track. And that's when it became Lover's Lane and all of this sort of stuff, you know, underage drinking, mischief and vandalism. And that went on for about two decades. So many of the stones and monuments were toppled. They were broken. They were defaced. They were even stolen. I don't get how people enjoy doing that sort no, of stuff. It doesn't make sense to me. I read in one 
bit of information. They said so much of it had been stolen that even the police had a piece of someone's headstone. What? It, they were just given out They, confis- they yeah. confiscated it or oh, they, they were given a bit. Oh, and- so, <laughs> in, in one way, shape yep, or form. Yep, so some of the coffins were even dug up and ransacked. In 1974, oh. um, the cemetery's last individual owner, Clarence Fulton, approached the Cook County Board about taking charge of it. He wanted their help to restore and maintain the grounds, especially after the last 15 years of uh, all of that carelessness. Now... Many of the families had already dug up the bodies and taken them to different cemeteries that were safer and closer to home. But now there are still about 80 graves there. The headstones are very sparse and you can look at photos online and you'll see that there is you know, a huge sparseness of area um, between... What are you doing? I'm taking a photo, but I made sure your mouth was shut when okay. I did it. Um, the headphones, <laughs> I'm uh, not the headphones, the graves. <laughs> the gra- there are about oh, <laughs> 80 graves. Yeah, yeah, no, I can't <laughs> post that one. We can see your missing tooth. I'll be in trouble for sure. And uh, there is also some small toys and trinkets that uh, are often sort of littered around the gravestones, um, especially around where the, the infants are buried. Now, the last few things that I want to say are, are some, just some points of interest. The technical last burial was the addition of cremated remains to a family plot in 1989. 1989? 1989. So this is very different to some of the other stuff that we've been reading about. It's not that long ago for us. No. (laughs) So the cemetery was also featured on an episode of Ghost Adventures in September 2012. Those guys have been doing this for that long. They have. Rotten scoundrels. I know, but they're also good businessmen. absolutely. They've got a, um, uh, what do they call it when you you get a formula? Yep. They've got a formula and they've stuck to it. Mm -hmm. They've they've tweaked it as they've gone along. I Mm -hmm. think Zach may have tweaked it, Mm -hmm. but um, it... It's worked for them. It has, and I mean, I mean, we have our formula here as well, and we we stick to it, and it, it's a comfort thing for us as well because we know how to, what the hell we're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the last thing I want to say is that uh, most of the groves are unmarked due to all of the vandalism that has happened over the years. Uh, and so now I'm going to throw it to you. My turn. Hmm. Okay. Well, I have 64 pages of notes. Please don't. Oh, okay. I'll, Please don't. Pick I'll... the most juiciest things. All right. So I'm going to be referring a lot to that um, document that I found. I did have a whole heap of other notes that I'd made, and then I found this document, and it was so comprehensive. But my concern with these sorts of documents is... This is one person's personal journey, uh, which they've spent many years researching this location, but they will have researched it through their bias and their beliefs. And and I'm not saying this is about this person at all, but with articles like this you find online, do you know, do we even know if they're real? It mm. could be a whole thing that's completely fabricated, um, but... This person, whoever's done this, has done a very thorough job. And I wanted to start off, remember that story we started at the very beginning with the the lights? Yep, yep. And uh, how they were discombobulated following the lights? Well, they have many, many stories. And uh, I wanted to read a couple of them to you because it's just really cool. 
So it's not just one person that's seen it. It's many, many, many people that have seen it. There's countless visitors, investigators. They've photographed it, filmed them. They've seen it daytime and nighttime. The different colours are blue, white, red, green, yellow. Uh, uh, but there's there's also some intelligence behind some of the things that have happened with these lights. So this person is saying their first experience at the Bachelors Grove um, was a seemingly intelligent white light, which many other visitors have reported as well. And they had uh, their research assistant... Uh, as, no, sorry, they were a research assistant to someone and they were doing an evening investigation when a ball of white light, no bigger than a tennis ball, appeared off the path in a clump of trees. It moved with incredible speed, darting back and forth or winking off and appearing a split second later, a hundred feet away. More than 20 years later, they were amazed to see that this exact phenomena happened with... Guess who? Ghost Adventures. Mm. They saw it too. So there is a red light that's also been seen at the cemetery. And as we said, it uh, it has become a bit of a lover's lane. So that yes. red light could mean anything, Ooh, couldn't it? It could. <laughs> but this one is described as a rocket light or a shooting or streaking light. Uh, not circular or spherical, but comet light with a tail. Now, that makes me wonder, are they getting photographs of that? Because if that's what they're getting as a photograph, that could be batteries that are going flat, which is mean the exposure is staying open a little bit longer. Because remember, the, these uh, sightings have been from the 1980s, which wouldn't have been with our camera phones and mm-hmm. things like that. So when you, I know that when I used to have the old cameras, if your battery was going flat, the exposure would just stay up in that little bit longer and you would get the tail of a light and it was moving Mm -hmm. but still the light's moving Mm -hmm. or or, uh, we don't know what it is yeah so they've got this uh red light it looks like fireworks being shot off and the appearance of like those roman candle ones could it be that there's kids in the woods setting off fireworks Mm -hmm. don't know there was also another tale of about a blue flashing light which chased, uh, they said, my classmate across the creek and into the woods in the 1980s. And once again, you mentioned satanic panic. panic. Mm-hmm, it is mm-hmm. all around that time. Uh, and there have been lots of local stories uh, dating right back to the 1960s. Mm-hmm. Of these lights and flickering blue lights, uh, they vary in size from a softball to a balloon and sometimes even larger. But it seems that as they get close enough to start working at what it is, it seems to get smaller and disappear. Now, what does that remind you of? Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Min Min Lights. The Min Min Lights. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I did find... 
Uh, and we're referring to the Min Min Lights from um, our podcast that Previous we did. Previous podcast. Yep. Um, a, just a couple of podcasts ago. Yeah, that, that far back. Uh, yeah, appear in Australia's Outback. Mm-hmm. And it was actually thought that maybe these lights... Now, you said it's it's out in the middle of nowhere now. There's no streets or cars or anything around it. But then they were saying they were walking and they should have been near a street or should have been near houses by now. So I'm confused as to what it is. Probably we need to have a look at a map, which I've got. Okay. Yeah. Because there are also um, aerial shots of the area. Mm-hmm. So you kind of see um, Bachelors Grove... Um, in this centralised area without trees and then all surrounding it seem to be trees everywhere. Now, I've got a picture of it up here and there seems to be a road quite reasonably close, which is West 143, uh, sorry, 143rd Street. Yep. Uh, and there it says Avalon Construction Group. So, and then there's a crossroad there as well. There's a family picnic area. Um, so it is within. But that could have once been a major road, and now it's just a road that goes to that one spot. Yeah. Um, and you know, it doesn't really have a lot of um, passing traffic. Yeah. But the, this this person um, who wrote this article also said that. It could possibly be the same thing that we came up with with the Min Min Lights, um, the Ignis Fatus. <laughs> Do you know the Mirage? Yes. Um, that we might be getting that sort of strange effect happening. Uh-huh. Uh, there is a pond of water nearby. Yes. Um And we know that people sometimes put on graves like foil uh, windmills and things which can catch light and cause issues. Sometimes they put little lights, uh, solar lights Mm -hmm. that, and as you said, it, it, it was only used in last years in 1989, I think you said. Mm -hmm. Um, These things are possible. Little solar lights that may come on during the night. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know. I'm just trying to think of reasons why we could have that, but there was this, a thing that I found, which was a surprise, and it was called Paranormal Google Maps, and it had a, a, a spot for Bachelors Grove Cemetery, and it is a cemetery. It's not a graveyard because there was no church attached. Am mm-hmm. I correct? That's correct. Uh, and they people, when they f- have a paranormal experience drop a pin on the site. Now, I've got M going to put this map link up so you guys can have a look at it, but it is covered in pins. It is. Now, the phenomena that has been seen there is a humanoid figure, and there's quite a few of those uh, red pins for the humanoid figure. I'm going to zoom in a little bit more so we can see. Wow, it is so thick with activity. Light anomalies. Plasma vapor, ball of light, electronic interference. Oh, I've got the hiccups now. Phantom automobile, cold spot, a psychic encounter, phantom horse, audible anomaly, electronic voice phenomena, phantom human, animal reaction, black anomaly, phantom house, camera malfunction, phantom dog, and a white anomaly. 
Yes, there's supposed to be a house that appears I'm and disappears. I'm going to talk about that. Give me a chance. Yes. How bizarre. That That's... Apparently that happens in various places around the world too. It's not as unusual as we think. Uh, so look, I'm going to skip over. There's so many more stories there about the lights uh, from Bachelors Grove, but I, I could spend the whole show doing that. And I, I want to get onto some of the other uh possible things that's been seen there. Now, there's also the, the white lady, because we've always got to have a white lady, mm-hmm. and they call her the Madonna of Bachelors Grove, and she's a, a female figure in white, sometimes referred to as Mrs. Rogers by the locals. Yep. She's described as a woman with dark hair, dressed in a long white dress or dressing gown. She's been reported walking through the cemetery, putting flowers on the graves, carrying a baby, or as if she is looking for her baby. Uh, There is a very controversial spirit photograph that has been taken where there is a woman in white sitting on a quilted stone or a checkered stone at Bachelors Grove. Yes, I do have that. That will go up on um, the Facebook page as well. And if I remember that one, it is like as solid as a... Absolutely. Yeah. And I have a feeling it has been debunked. Hmm. Or um, pulled up as a fake. I sh- I actually didn't get a chance to look at that, but I have. There are some theories on who this ghost is. So the the theory surrounding the identity of this this woman is that they think it could be um, either like somebody who was joyriding or drinking, and there there've been a crash, or they possibly drowned in the the quarry or killed in a car accident. But there are no new stories mm-hmm. in that area that relate to that sort of incident um, because they, they think you know, women and white often refer to partying accidents, accidents which I d- tend to disagree with. Uh, but there are two sisters-in-law that could be good candidates for the woman and white. One is Catherine Voigt Fulton and the other is Luella Fulton Rogers. Uh, lovely ladies. I think we may um, that might be in the pictures. Is that them? Could be. Could be. <laughs> so uh, Catherine married Luella's brother, Bert Fulton, and was heartbroken by the loss of her child, little Marcia May, who died in infancy. The, cup, the young couple's baby was buried in the Fulton family lot in Bachelors Grove under the name under the famous Fulton Stone, and she's only identified as infant daughter on the marker. Uh-huh. So they think that might be her, the, the mother, because she's now buried there as well, and she's mourning the, the loss of her child and is searching for it. Now we go over to Luella, or Lulu. Uh, she was killed by a hit-and-run drive the week after her 60th birthday. Oh. Isn't that rotten? That's terrible. We've got so much more living to do, haven't we, Renata? I know, what are you saying, but yes. <laughs> what was that? What was I saying? <laughs> Poor Renata. She's not going to get her new tooth till next year. Oh, speaking of which, we are taking a break over Christmas. There'll be... Um, no! We are. No! Stuff you. I need a rest. Uh, we will be taking a break from the Friday. So I think the last one is the 23rd of December, and then we're coming back three weeks to the day on that so we missed two episodes right don't breathe Renata they will not leave us you're worried they're going to leave us anyway back to Lulu who died a week after her birthday now she had um, uh, Luella's baby sister Emma 
was also buried with her at the Fulton Stone and her marker was stolen a long time ago. And when it was recovered, it actually wasn't returned to the grove but placed in the care of Tinley Park Historical Society. So could it be Luella, Lulu, who was upset that the headstone has been taken and Mm. not removed for her precious baby sister? Yes. Don't know. And maybe she's wandering around to try and find it. That's right. Or find the person who took it. That's correct. (laughs) All right. Now, the magical house. We do have stories of a magical house. Now, I know that we did a story on one of the Spirit Realm Networks or whatever it was that we were doing shows on about the ladies who uh, were in Versailles Mm -hmm. and they walked through a walkway and all of a sudden they were in the old... Um, Paris, Versailles, and Mm -hmm. um, it was like a little bit of a time slip. So they are thinking that maybe this is a wrinkle in time or one of these time slips where this house will appear at certain times. But there's actually quite a few descriptions and many, many sightings of this house. I I did uh, find a photo that somebody had taken. Mm -hmm. Mm. No. Okay. Yes. Is it the same description every time or are they different descriptions? It's slightly different every time. Mm. Um, I do have a story here. So this is another of the stories from the... Um, sorry, I just had to go and run and get Renata a Telfast. She's got his itchy eyes. <laughs> Could be worse. Could be itchy somewhere else. I've got a cream for that. Anyway, um, so this is a story, a, quite a detailed story about this house and it gives a good description of what it looks like. In April 2009, and see, this is not that long ago for us, April 2009, uh, I was in, uh, I was at a cemetery after dark with a group of about eight people. After exploring quietly on our own, we were mysteriously drawn together near the entrance of the cemetery where we made small talk until one of us noticed a round light, once again these lights, Mm -hmm. glowing through the woods in the direction of the path leading back to the road. We all observed this light, having not seen it earlier in the night. I stood wondering if the light was coming from a distant street light, a house on the other side of the woods, the moon or even an illuminated street sign. A few of us made similar remarks out loud and as we watched the light change shape. It took on the form of a rectangular window with a cross-pattern wooden pane. Its glow was soft and evoked a sensation of reading by candlelight or low light. This cosy image was offset by a deep feeling of menace. The feeling of being violated and looked into by whatever it was that was creating this window. Why does everyone have to assume that this is negative and dark and dangerous? It's a friggin' window. Um, because what you don't understand, you fear. Yeah, this is true. The image developed further in my mind. Now, hang on. She's saying in her mind Mm -hmm. or they're saying in their mind. So was it a physical manifestation or was it in their mind? Because that can be very different things because the power of suggestion that this house keeps appearing Mm -hmm. and then it's appearing in your mind's eye. Mm -hmm. It's Two different things. Two different things. And, you know, are you putting something that's really small into the context of your biases, as Mm -hmm. you said before? Mm Mm-hmm. So it developed further around the window. 
<coughs> an old-fashioned classic-looking white house with a porch swing. Um, so then they go on a little bit further um, and they talk about, uh, we filed quietly out into our van and didn't speak of how strange it was at just moments earlier. We were totally fine exploring the cemetery. Now all of a sudden we had left like a deep-sea angler. This light had lured us out of the cemetery. It wasn't until I got home that I snapped out of it. About two weeks later, they got together and they had a chat about it. Uh, there have been nearly 60 eyewitness accounts of this house. Mm-hmm. Wow. And this person has gathered 30 of them. Every single one of them describes the house as a white farmhouse or a farm style house or something like uh, one and a half stories, simple frame house with a dormer or an attic. So the dormer is those windows that sort of appear in the roof. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, A second aspect that's uh, similar is that cross-paned window that uh, visitors describe. They seem to say that it's like a focal point of whatever is manifest festing and they many uh, also talk about a glowing or a flickering uh, and there have also been other people that have mentioned the porch swing as well in Australia we call that a veranda so there there are quite a few similarities there does it appear in the same place would you go towards it or would you run away from it how long does it appear for if people go closer to it, does it disappear or does it disappear in an instant, whether you're close to it or not? Now, there was quite another interesting story that I found, which I thought you'd enjoy. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to run out of time, I think. Uh, there was a local that um, he said that when he was a boy, he was playing in the woods near the cemetery with his friend around about 1940. Um, a lot of the homes had been torn down, but this particular um, afternoon they passed along the old turnpike and they saw a house where a woman was waving to them from the porch. Mm-hmm. She was a grandmotherly woman, elderly but healthy looking, and she motioned for them to come closer. So they walked up the front path, because in those days they don't think stranger danger. Um, and she said, I've just baked cookies, come in and have some. <laughs> Times being what they were, they went in and followed the woman through the mosque modest farmhouse to the kitchen where the smell of cinnamon filled the cosy space. They sat with the woman and ate their fill of freshly baked cookies, drank coffee diluted diluted with lots of milk and sugar and a drug to knock them out. Mm. Um, It did not recall what they talked about, if anything at all. When they finished, it was beginning to be sunset, so the boys said they were going to go. The next day, thinking of the cookies, the boys headed back to the house hoping to get another invitation but the house was gone. That's creepy. Now, I've got goosebumps reading just on that. So what story does that remind you of? Hansel and Gretel. Hansel and Gretel. Doesn't it? Oh, boy. Now, I, I've got so There's also the story of the caretaker. I'm just going to have to touch on some of these. I'm not going to touch the caretaker, but I'll touch on the story about him. Uh, the... There's numerous witnesses that have seen the magic house with a caretaker mm-hmm. or a lantern man out the front. Sometimes he can be seen with a rifle and sometimes he chases visitors away. Uh, they don't know who he is. Um, maybe he's responsible for the lights. Maybe he's part of that phenomena if he's got a lantern. 
there was somebody who was driving towards the cemetery on the path with her date in the 60s and they saw a man with a lantern at the cemetery entrance motioning for them to turn back and leave the area. She remembers that they drove past a house standing in the woods just south of the path near the cemetery. So that that was uh, another one. So it seems to be connected to the house. Mm-hmm. All right, I need to find some more. Now, Renata just jogged my memory that um, there was a real caretaker there, wasn't there? Yeah. So around that time when uh, all that vandalism was occurring, there was allegedly a caretaker that would go into the woods at night and absolutely scare the crap out of the kids so that they wouldn't come back and do any more harm. Yeah, Hubert Geist, and he actually was a self-appointed caretaker, took it upon himself to look after it. Good on him. Uh, They also think that it could have been um, caretakers that didn't come to light. There's so many things here. Doan's father. I don't know. It's all overwhelming. There is just so many theories and responses of people that died and it could be them that's come back because the remains are there. And I, I, I still do not know why this place has so many hauntings. I'll get to that. Okay. Hurry up. I know, you're on a time. No, I'm excited. I want to know. All right, well, there's also the dogs. There's phantom dogs that are found uh, there as well. Uh Uh, They date back to the 1980s. There we are again with the Satanic Panic era. Uh, Two men visiting the cemetery first saw strange lights. Again, the lights, uh, the bushes and the cemetery ground, what appeared to be the backside of a dog. Oh. A dog's butt, and then it faded away. Mm Mm-hmm. There was um, other people that have seen it. Someone saw a black Doberman standing near the gate facing them. See, Doberman, what movie is that from? Oh, Damien. Damien. Yep. Three women saw the dog clearly at first, but as they got closer, the dog become became blurry and transparent until uh, they could actually see the road on the other side of the animal. No one spoke until the dog had vanished entirely, and afterwards all three said they had felt a strange calm come over them, as if they were tempor- temporarily drugged or hypnotised, and they reported that the hairs on their arms stood on end for several minutes. Uh, okay, um, there's gas here somewhere, isn't yeah, there? Some I don't know, there could be. A, there's some sort of a substance that is creating hallucinations in all of these people. And there's another one that said that they saw a Rottweiler, which again could be Damien. Mm-hmm. Influenced by Damien, mm-hmm. the movie. Uh, there are phantom cars that are seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one was around Thanksgiving, around 10 years ago. We observed a dark minivan parked at the entrance to the old Turnpike Road. They were on the passenger side looking at the minivan and there was no one on the inside. And they thought, boy, they're going to get a ticket for parking there. Uh after we passed a few seconds later, I looked in the passenger side near the mirror and the minivan was gone. There were no cars there at all. So there's a couple of reports of different sorts of cars that have been seen. There is a farmer. There's a phantom farmer who is seen ploughing the fields with his horse near the Midlothian Turnpike. Now, according to this story... Uh, the farmer who had been ploughing the land in the, near the quarry in the 1870s, his horse became frightened and bolted or got too close to the quarry edge and pulled both the farmer and the plough 
into the quarry, mm -hmm. into the pond, mm -hmm. and drowned them. And because of the depth of the quarry, the bodies and the plough were never recovered. Mm -hmm. Oh, boy. So many notes. Uh, then the little people. <gasps> they have little They've people got too? Little. They've got everything it's here. Everything. Right. So the little people are the F word, which we're not going to say, yeah. the fae, mm -hmm. because we get in tr trouble every time we say F-A-I-R-Y. They, they can spell, you know. I know, but I'm hoping if I don't say it, I won't upset them. We have major electronic issues when we talk about them. Uh, so they think that these little people are um, intelligent lights and orbs or a lantern man or a ghost candle. Uh, there's rumours of treasure buried beneath the cemetery or beneath the pond. And uh, the local folklore says that these little people are present. I'll read this. The little people have taken many forms from monochromatic faces of babies and children in the grass to full f colour forms of children and small adults anywhere from a few inches to around a foot and a half tall. A few appear to be soldiers in uniform, possibly from Civil War or World War One era or women from the 19th century in long gowns. Some appear to be Native Americans. Others look like hippies or modern-day young people with beards and backwards, base, ba backwards baseball hats. What the hell? I've never seen the Fae dress up like that before. No. But, you know. Now, the Native American people, the Cherokee, I think they say, the, the, the Native Americans for this area, they said they behave very similarly to the fairies of European law and at times can be helpful in doing chores and bringing you prosperity. But, by God, if you cross them, you're doomed. Uh, they will, um, you know, give you bad luck and mm -hmm. muck with things and muck with your electronics and they'll throw spells on strangers who disturb their peace, causing them to become lost and dazed. Mm -hmm. Now, remember, we've got these lights in the forest leading mm -hmm. people astray mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and people are confused. Mm -hmm. So are they hallucinating from something that's in the area or is it the fae? Hmm, I don't know. Apparently they don't like people getting drunk. Now, mm -hmm. I just want you to remember that. Mm -hmm. They don't like getting people drunk and have compelled partiers to bugger off from Bachelor's Grove, chasing them off with strange lights. Hmm. Well, I'm just going to see if there's anything more. Oh, there's voices and they get EVPs there. There is a two-headed man. Yes. <sighs> Yes, a two-headed monster. We're going to be going over time just by a little bit. So he's called the two-headed man or the monster of Bachelor Grove. Now, there was a local couple, the Bremen, is mm -hmm. that them? Mm -hmm. B-R-E-M-E-N. Yes. Uh, who gave birth to a terribly deformed infant. Now, remember in these days, if there was a birth defect... It was a spiritual thing. You'd done something to upset God or um, it was the devil's child. So it could have been, uh, you know, the children that are born conjoined. Siamese twins. Con conjoined twins. Yep. It, it could be real. There could be a person that had two heads because we have that still today in today's yes. society. Yeah. It's weird what the, the human body can do. So... Was it that this is a real person who was wandering around through the graves and at night because it was a place they could go to without being seen? It was nighttime. They were hoping there were people not there. Uh, they could have a little bit of 
piece. There are some locals who said they claimed there was a severely deformed man that did live in the area at one time. So possibly it was a real situation. The sightings are very rare of that one, though. Mm-hmm. All right. Do I need anything else? Oh, the robed figures. The monks. The monks. We've got everything. We've got the lady in the white dress. We've got the Native American legends. We've got fae. We've got got hippies. We've got orbs. Yep, yep. So uh, in the late 1960s to early 1970s, the sighting of a hooded or robed figure inside the cemetery and the surrounding woods uh, have been seen. uh, And it could have been actual flesh and blood people who were in there doing rituals and activities. And of course, they're assuming that they've raised negative energies. Mm -hmm. It could be druids just Mm -hmm. trying to get out somewhere in a place that's called a grove Mm -hmm. because that's where they go and do their worship. But it's normally not these sorts of trees. But, you know, you you get what you can get. Yeah. Uh, and there is a report. There is a seven-foot guy who frequents the area. Uh, and if it's a full moon, he's quite possibly out there. He's a real human being from the Lamont area who dresses in his robes for his different rituals and is seen out there by a number of police who patrol. I've got the hiccups, who patrol the area as well as unsuspecting teenagers who go out there who are driving down the road and are confronted by this seven-foot-tall individual (laughs) in his ceremonial robes. I'm going to have to finish with this one because there's just too many. The yellow man, the suit man, the hat man and the tall man. (laughs) We're just going to tick off slender man. We'll just say slender man. And be done with it. Oh, wow. So there was somebody who saw standing near a tree a man in a suit and hat with a yellowish cast to his figure. He obviously had jaundice. Is there a is there gimp man? <laughs> it's gotta you it's went gotta there. happen. It's oh what is gonna We covered a story about that, didn't we? There was somebody running around in gimp suit terrifying people. <laughs> anyway, this this person is said to be lit up by yellow glow um, the, and trees have began to shake frantically. There's streaking red light shot through. I might be saying, hi, I'm here. I'm oh available for business. goodness me. All right. So, look, I, I'm going to leave it there and then I'm going to go back to my I original need, notes. I need you to finish this story. I'm going to wrap it up for you quite nicely. So don't look at my notes because I'd rather get your reaction. Okay, all right. You're looking at my notes. No, don't look I'm at not, my notes. I'm not. I can't see them from here. <sighs> I've got to scroll. Like they're, they're, This ended up being the biggest amount of research for a small topic. Uh, now, this is from Wikipedia. You know, the font of all knowledge. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So kids start going there to drink and to party. Yep. They leave their trash behind. Yep. And you get the scary t- stories told around a little campfire of what you have. This is where the legend starts. Now, Bettenhausen wrote that claims of floating lights, phantom cars, ghostly apparitions and other stories about the cemetery have been told and retold by several generations of youths. Mm -hmm. However, few of these tales have any apparent basis in fact. Right. So is this the result of... Of 
kids going to an abandoned cemetery where they're partying and trying to spook each other and there's people that are dressing up and running through the forest trying mm-hmm. to be like the slender man or mm-hmm. the tall man. Remembering the time that these stories are coming out is mm-hmm. the round about the 60s to the 80s when the satanic panic was running rife. They're all spooking themselves out. Yep. These legends have grown legs and started to run. Yep. I reckon some of the locals would actually encourage some of these legends yep. to stop vandals going into the cemetery. So now what they're bringing in is paranormal investigators who are wanting to investigate and they would not damage the area. Mm-hmm. They would be more interested in sitting quietly. Well, sensible ones would yep. uh, and just documenting what they see, sense, feel here. Mm-hmm. Now, I did read in one of the other stories that uh, there was a story about a little girl and that seemed to be concocted by a psychic. She was the first person to pick up on it. Nobody seems to have picked up on it since, but it, it sort of became part of the legends of this grove. So I don't know, Renata. I I really don't know about this one. I There is so much there. And this person has 64 pages mm-hmm. of stories and theories and everything that they've got there. I haven't seen the Ghost Adventures episode. No, I would be have interested I. to see that. Yep. And again, if you have seen something that gives you a sense that something is really going on at Bachelors Grove, send us a message. Write to us. And let us know. Would you go there? Would you go and do an investigation and sit and wait to see if the lights? And would you follow the lights? If you saw the house, would you go to the house? Or is it the Fae trying to drag you away? Is it a true haunting, Renata? I don't know. I mean, given the opportunity to go there for uh, a night, Mm -hmm. I would. Mm -hmm. I I would would too. But there's nothing there, like I said, in everything that I've seen that leads me to believe that this place is haunted for a reason. Mm-hmm. I'm intrigued by the stories. I'm intrigued by where they have the come from. The plethora of stories. Oh, thousands of them. But if you know something, send us a message. We'd love to hear. We'd love to hear. In in the meantime, what we're going to do is we're going to post some of those photos up for you to see for yourself. Um, and yeah, let's let get let's get further into this story of mm. Bachelors Grove. Anyway, that brings us to the end of the episode. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope you give us some feedback, leave us a review, send us your stories in your messages or even a place that you might like us to research and talk about. But in the meantime, guys, you know what to do. Stay spooky. And be frightfully good. See you on the dark side. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of True Hauntings. If you like the show, give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. For more on Anne and Renata, follow at Anne and Renata on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Or visit their website, www.anneandrenata.com.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.